the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I go by the name of Spud, Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> man. <laughs> and this happens to be my little radio show. I, I hope you find it to be at least semi-amusing and or entertaining. If not, then... You know, I'll deflect blame to whoever's handy. I'm learning this skill, you know, quite well these days from our current POTUS. We are going to start winning big league. Uh, it sure makes life a lot easier. I, I was never a big fan of assuming responsibility for stuff. It's a real drag. You know, you know what I mean, but anyway. So now I should introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, give the people a quick sample of your state-of-the-art laughing <laughs> skills. <laughs> wow. Hey, don't shoot your wad this early in the program. We still have 57 minutes to go. It was, it was, yeah, it was pretty damn good, though, I got to say. Now, I suppose I have to acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Mr. Gerald Holcomb. Uh, okay, you can uh, jump in here with an extremely brief comment like, uh, uh, uh-huh, or, um. Oh, uh-huh? Hmm. No, I said one, not both. Oh, okay, I will go with... Hmm. Good call, good call. <laughs> hey, can we get the show started now? As There's a topic I wanted to bring up on the air. Well, I was going to go with Sean Hannity's nose hairs. Hell will freeze over. They're like out of control, especially on the close-ups. Well, but, but I don't know if I could fill up in like a full hour discussing it. What do you got? Well, uh, a few weeks ago, you attempted to label me and my fellow President Trump supporters as displaying cognitive dissonance. Now, I yeah, continue to correct. feel that diagnosis is off the mark, but it did prompt me to begin reviewing other psychological disorders. And last night, I think I stumbled onto something that might pertain to you, Spud. Now, really? uh, listen, I don't want this to be a tit-for-tat situation, but I think you really have all the behavioral traits of one who is suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. It's pretty clear, as you have all the signs. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. Narcissism what? It, it, narcissistic personality disorder. I only bring it up because I'm pretty sure if you got a handle on this, it could help you in all areas of your life. You know, I only want what's best for you, Spud. Oh, that's nice. So so we have a dueling diagnosis deal going down, huh? And I think that's another sign of cognitive dissonance. Let me Google that again when the band's playing. Yeah, listen, I'm not attempting to even the score, as you say. No, 
I just felt that if we discussed this on the air, and maybe a caller or two could jump in also and give you their take, it might open up a pathway to uh, overcoming the no. malady. Listen, our listeners can find our studio phone number on our Facebook page and on our website. Malady? Yes. I have no maladies, okay? I wouldn't know if I did. Nobody has less maladies than me. <laughs> well, according to the Mayo Clinic's definition of this condition, denial is near the top of the list, so be aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm no different than some. I, I enjoy the denial angle. It's a nice go-to tool to get through life. I know it's you not do. like I'm in denial about important stuff, like when I have to pee or file my taxes. Yeah, but it is a behavior trait that can lead to severe delusion, and that can often, you know, count be counterproductive to a healthy lifestyle. He is right, Spud, and the family has been concerned about this for many years. I'm only in denial with the crap that gets on my nerves. Good call, yo. You know, like deadlines, putting out the recycling, and, you know, sometimes taking a shower. I, I, I don't deny the fun stuff in life, like I never forget to watch SportsCenter before I go to bed each night. Oh, boy. Uh, another warning sign is a sense of entitlement, feeling that the world owes you and that you're being shortchanged as your every desire has not been fulfilled. I think the reason why is I've just been, like, so unhappy. I see that a lot in your behavior. Is it really entitlement if you actually do deserve something? Because I know for a fact I should be a big star by now, and and then finally people will let me do anything I want. Uh... Anything. At least that's what I've heard. You know, I should have my own channel on Sirius by now, or or if not, my own EIB network. Something. Again, again. That desire is not connected to reality, as you don't have the listeners right now to warrant such a position. Just because you want something doesn't mean you deserve it, Spud. Gerald, maybe you could make your point without being so blunt. Well... I can tell you sugarcoating this kind of information works much, much better with Spud. Well, she's right there. And and for the record, when I do want something, it, it doesn't mean I don't deserve it either. You know, I have paid my dues over the years. Why shouldn't I have, you know, what is rightfully coming to me? I'm Teddy Powers! That's why I'm bringing this up right now. As your aunt just said, the people in your life have been concerned about it for a long time. That's right. Right Right. now, I have to introduce our musical guest, okay? Who I will be talking to a little later on in the program. Don't go accusing them of having this narcissistic thing either. Or they they might kick you in the nuts. All right, so here are my good friends. And yes, I do actually have friends. Here are Trees and Timber. Thursday 
Hey, this is Sarah Silverman, and I am on the Spud Goodman Show. I don't know how my career got this low. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah? Your first guest, Steve Coogan, is waiting to speak with you. I I believe he's calling in from London, England. Okay, you know Steve has been nominated twice for an Academy Award. Wow. This is just not another dude plugging a diet book or something. Well, what is he promoting? He has a new movie out. Uh, you know, Richard Gere plays his brother, I think. I, I only saw the previews, but it looks intense. Is there a movie Steve has done that I might be aware of? Like, like what, what was he nominated for? Philomena in 2013, I think. Mm. He co-wrote it, produced it, and starred in it. Philo what? What's with you, Johan? I don't think it was broadcast on network TV, so you probably missed it, all right? And, and don't mess this interview up for me, because I don't know what time it is in England right now. It could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner time, so oh. I, I need to be brief here. Just, just put him through. Okay, here he is. Say hello to actor, screenwriter, producer, author, and a Academy Award nominee, Steve Coogan. Welcome. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So, so you have a new movie out uh, with an amazing cast, The Dinner, starring yourself, Laura Linney, Richard Gere, Chloe Sevigny, and Rebecca Hall. You know, I saw clips from the film, and for those thinking this has a bunch of superheroes or huge monsters in it, I can assure you, everyone, this is a real movie with actual people, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it's a rare thing these days. Uh, yeah. not to have, um, and there are no explosions, so if anyone's looking for those, they, they, they better uh, go elsewhere. <laughs> Now, this is a real movie, so could you give our listeners a brief overview of the dinner, if you would? Sure. It's a, I, play, I play Richard Gere's brother, and uh, Laura Linney plays my wife, uh, and Rebecca Hall and Chloe Sevigny play the respective wives of Richard Gere, who plays a very successful congressman running for governor. I play the less successful brother. We all go for dinner. Um, I'm a little cynical and angry, and I have a mental illness. But the big issue at the dinner we're all discussing is what to do about our respective sons who have committed uh, a murder and oh. whether how far we will go and whether we want to cover up their crime or whether we think they should face some sort of uh, justice. And uh, that's, the, that's the moral dilemma at the heart of the movie. And the, the dinner is the discussion of what the right thing to do is. And then within the dinner, we have flashbacks to what it was they did. And we go back into the lives of uh, myself and uh, Richard's character and our relationship. Uh, uh, so it's a, a sort of psychological examination of uh, relationships and, and, and moral dilemmas. 
Yeah, it looks pretty damn intense, I gotta say. Well, let me ask you this. As an actor, have you ever had to spend all day in front of a green screen, uh, you know, green screen imagining all sorts of images to play off of? Because I remember on Happy-ish, which I love, by the way, where you were confronted by those damn Keebler elves. Oh, yeah, that was, that was quite fun. Um, but yes, I have, actually, because I did a movie called Night at the Museum with uh, where right. Owen Wilson and myself played two tiny toy soldiers. He played a toy cowboy, and I played a miniature uh, Roman centurion. And uh, we had to do a bunch of like uh, stuff where we're being attacked by giant animals, and that's where you do have to stand in front of a green screen and uh, basically act in front of thin air and yeah. wave your arms about and look scared. And someone points and says, look at that cross and imagine it's a giant squirrel. Uh, look at that and imagine it's a monkey. And uh, the strangest thing, I think, was uh, there's the, uh, the monkey pees on a fire to put it out, but we're in the way. And that was kind of strange, having a giant hose uh, up at the top of the studio raining down on us. So I've done some pretty strange things in front of a green screen. Yeah, I, I, hopefully I'm wrong, but that kind of seems like the future of acting, uh, for at least for big studio films. But anyway, that's another topic. I won't bore you with it. So let, let me, I, I read this uh, on a personal note. Uh, you enjoy automobiles, or did at one time, that, that were rather fast, like Ferraris. How do you deal with being stuck in traffic on the freeways in L.A. when you're in town? Can you handle going three miles an hour? I don't go. I don't drive around those. I mean, I collect old cars. I don't buy new cars. New cars are a little too bling-bling for me. <clears throat> I like the old classics, and I've got a bunch of them. Cool. Uh, that's my hobby, but I don't really, I don't drive them in uh, rush hour traffic. I drive them. I just take them to kind of sun, Sunday Sunday drives to the local, you know, uh, cafe and get a bite to eat and drive them home again. I don't really go far. When I go on the freeway, I go in a regular car like everyone else. But yeah, there's a very good point to be made, which is there's absolutely no point buying one of these cars that can do 200 miles an hour when most of the time you're going to be spending it doing about four or five miles an hour. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I just wrote that down. That's a really, really good point. Well, Steve, um, you know, I always thought you guys uh, in the UK were way smarter than us over here, and then, and then Brexit happened. I guess we're kind of <laughs> the same now, huh? We're kind of tied. Yeah, I, I think I think you put to the post with uh, with your new president. I've got to say. Yeah. But um, but uh, but certainly, yeah. I mean, well, the world's in a strange place now. Lots of strange, unpredictable things are happening. So it's. Uh, you know, I mean, it might be uh, <clears throat> anxiety-inducing for many people, but it's uh, it's far from dull. Well, do you have fake history over in the UK? Because we, you know, we used to only have fake news over here. Now our our US history's become flexible, so to speak. I was wondering if your current prime minister maybe tosses out stuff like, you know, like uh, why did World War World War Two actually have to happen? You know, that really, you know, uh, stuff like that. We're having a headache yeah. over here right now. I know. It's 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 really uh, scary because people can find whatever they want online and have their own prejudice. In fact, all these algorithms uh, that uh, Facebook and, um, you know, and uh, Instagram and all these yeah. other uh, social medias are, are, are designed to reflect back at you all your deep-seated prejudices. So, you know, if you've got to be in your bonnet about something or you choose to believe something, however unreliable it is, you can find a bunch of people who will reinforce that lie. Yeah, so that, that's so, so true. So true. Tough times. Yeah. If I may, Spud, well, I, I, for one, do not appreciate your snide insinuations about our current commander-in-chief. Hashtag greatest president of all time. Fake history? Are you still complaining about Donald Trump's admiration of President Andrew Jackson? You know, the fake media has made such a big deal out of that. Uh, hey, Steve, just a moment. Well... 
You know, when someone is dead, they cannot be quoted about saying something 16 years later after they have kicked the bucket. I mean, you could try, but with Google, you're going to get busted every time. The next thing you know, Trump will say he hung out and played golf with Robert E. Lee. History is now quite flexible, don't you think? Well, the problem with you people... Uh, you people? Yeah, the few citizens who did not vote for President Trump. You don't understand that he's on a mission to save this country. He has been chosen to right the ship as we had lost our way. What? Hello? What, is he a blues brother or something now? God sent him on a mission? Well, I cannot say with certainty, but how else can you explain his election? Well, you got me there. I'll go to my grave wondering that one. I have no clue, but count me as a skeptic that God or anyone other than Putin's posse did the heavy lifting to make that happen. Now zip it and let me get back to Steve. He's a very busy man. All right, I am back. Sorry for that brief interruption. Okay, thanks, bud. Well, you know, you're starring in the film Stan and Ollie playing Stan Laurel. How many hours of film research did you spend before taking on the role? Because he's a comedy god. There must have been some stress involved. Oh, there was. But, you know, I mean, actually, when you're talking about the state of the world right now, when you can disappear into a screening room and watch a bunch of Laurel and Hardy movies, it's kind of a nice thing to do. Oh, well, yeah, you know, actually. It's kind of innocent. You see these guys who are just two buddies making each other laugh and doing stupid things. It's um, it's like a vacation from from the awfulness of the world. When's so that com- when's that coming out? Uh, well, I'm still shooting it right now. John oh. C. Riley is playing Oliver oh. Hardy. Wow. And, uh, I'm I'm playing Stan, and we so we're, we're right in the middle. Of, we've got a couple of weeks left, but uh, yeah, I guess it'll be out uh, I, early next year. I'm guessing. Super. Uh, but I'm, we're pretty uh, psyched about it. We think it's it's good. It's uh, it's just about friendship between two two buddies. Well, they're 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 they are they still remain you know comedy gold. So well, let me close this interview with with this. Uh, Steve Coogan, do you miss doing stand up comedy? Are you okay moving on from it, or do you still just occasionally feel the urge to go back yeah. on stage? Oh, I do. I do. I certainly miss hearing a saying something funny and having you know uh, like. 2,000 people laugh at the same time is pretty addictive. So, yeah, I miss it a little bit. I mean, I won't say I never go back to it because I might, I might do come up with a show and take it out on the road before wow. I die just wow. to get another fix. Yeah. Well, hopefully you do it over on this side of the pond, too. But all right. Well, let, let me tell everyone again that your new film, The Dinner, is now released and people need to look for it at their local theaters. I, thanks a bunch for coming on our show, and I mean that. Thanks, bud. All right, Mr. Steve Coogan. You must not be stampeded by rumors or guesses. Let us unite in banishing fear. It is your problem, my friend. Your problem no less than it is mine. This is a Spud Goodman Show. Hey, Spud. Yeah. Uh, the Our resident psychic, Ted Marr, right. is on the line. Good. Well, do your plugging. Let's do it. Oh, okay. Uh, Ted Mars show, Out of This World, can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 1150 a.m. in Seattle, and on the web. Here he is. Okay, please say hey to our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. How you doing? Hey, Spud, it's great to talk to you. Right. So I've been thinking a lot about rock and roll heaven or whatever it's called in the paranormal world. I, I don't know if you subscribe to Rolling Stone, but a heck of a lot of rock and roll legends have passed on in the last couple years, way too many. So I was wondering, um, do you know for a fact that 
they hang out together sometimes. I mean, I, I know Lemmy from Motorhead probably wouldn't spend much quality time with, say, any of the Bee Gees, but you never know. Do dead rock stars you know, like still have egos on the other side? Do they, you know, are they discerning on who they hang out with? Um, actually, this goes for everyone who, who passes over to the other side. They get access to what's called universal knowledge and universal love, and their personalities are still the same, but it's different for them because now they have the answers to everything they've always wanted to know about, and yes, they do hang together, and yes, they do give concerts on the other side. Wow, very cool. Um, before I hit on that topic, I wanted to ask you, though, do, do they have security and groupies, too? And don't tell me they have to live like just the rest of us, when, when, like when we cross over, because that would be a buzzkill for them. I mean, they still are rock stars there, right? Exactly. And there's actually, uh, I had a gentleman at my, a conference I had uh, in who, who talked about visiting a, a concert given by Mozart and also followed by, by the Beatles. Um, a beautiful concert for wow. all their songs. What a double bill. Damn. Yeah. Mozart and the Beatles. Uh, um, Spud, well, could you ask Ted if, say, Annette Funicello or Connie Francis ever performed together? I, I was just curious. Not that I actually believe in this occult-like rock and roll afterlife being discussed. You do know, in the real heaven, loud music is not acceptable. It's a very peaceful existence there. Well, why would anyone want to go to a heaven that only has easy listening music? How lame is that? Well, music should not be a factor when one contemplates gaining entrance to the gates of heaven. God knows what music is best for eternity. Eternity? That's a long time, man. It is, yeah. Yeah, well, people that don't like their music loud can just wear earplugs. It's that simple. I think I like Ted's version of heaven a lot more than yours. Now, let me get back to him, and so just keep it down. Um... Okay, regarding, uh, you know, concerts, it would be really cool to see a few super groups like, say, John Lennon, David Bowie, John Entwistle, and, may, and maybe, you know, on drums, maybe John Bonham. You, do you think we could put something together like a big super group? And, and it'd have to be for like a benefit or whatever, because they never would just, they don't need the money. It'd have to be a benefit. So do you think you could put something like that together? I could ask. They, I know that they give concerts there on the other side. Right. Well, let's see if we can put something together that would blow Live Aid and all the rest of the stuff away. I don't know. I'll, let me, I'll get back to you with a title, maybe before you talk to him. Let me, let me, let me do that. I'll, I will make note, get back to Ted. All right, super. Uh, and I'll try to get a hold of Professor Einstein because I know he's working on the audio from the, uh, from, from, from the heaven to earth. All right, super. You know, when, when we pass on, I was, I'm referring to the non-rock stars. Do we still get to listen to music? That's just, you know, it's a really big part of my life, and I'm sure, I, I'm guessing, everyone's life. Uh, I, I know I may not be able to still have my iPod, but is there something we can use to access decent music for eternity? I hope it's not, you know, you know like a constant wall of music in the afterlife. That would suck. <laughs> Well, to, to, not, to, not to make a pun, but it, I think the music on the other side is very angelic. Okay, but our iPods pretty much stay here when we go? They don't come yeah, with us? Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need them All on the other side. All that work I put my library together. Anyway, never mind. All right. All right, well, I'm going to let you go, but can you say hi to Joey Ramone for me and tell him I miss him? Yeah, I will. He's right here. He's saying hello to you, too. All right, super. Okay, there you have it. Mr. Ted Marr, our resident psychic. Thanks so much, Spud. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. We're the Black Tones. We are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. And I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. 
is Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, you share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud too. It is what it is, man. The Spud Goodman show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, uh, Spud, we have a caller who would like to wade in on the subject that we were discussing. Oh, that I'm an egomaniac? That is so bogus. Well, let's take the input from this caller. Uh, Caller, go ahead. You are on. Well, well, hey, Spud. Yeah. Uh, I hate to pile on here, but I have to agree with that diagnosis your co-host is nailing you with. I mean, you really are a narcissist. I mean, not so much when you're interviewing a celebrity guest. It's not so noticeable when one narcissist is speaking with another narcissist. Uh, It's just kind of a push, you know what I mean? Um, And by the way, he's a temporary co-host. Temporary, permanent. Uh, Whatever. But it seems to me, Spud, you're somewhat delusional, too. When I listen to the show, I sometimes don't know if you're joking or not, but I do know you have a very high opinion of yourself underneath the surface of what you're saying. Well, if the question is, do I have an ego, then yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm not a narcissist. That would be like guys like Simon Cowell and Ted Nugent and Trump for sure. Tom Brady loves me. And- oh, don't forget Kanye West and Bill O'Reilly. They are both really full of themselves. Well, maybe so, Mrs. Jarvitz, but it seems to me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, that Spud's continued criticism of our current president, Donald Trump, is a result of his jealousy of him. Those suffering from narcissistic personality disorders tend to feel threatened by others that are more successful, and they tend to direct their rage at these individuals. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about all that, but I did Trump, but I don't like all the shots Bud takes it in. I mean, the guy won the presidency in the biggest landslide in history. True. Period. Especially if you take him out, take out all those illegal votes, Cap. Give him his props. I mean, he's making America great as I speak. Like, each minute, we are becoming greater and greater. You know, I could not agree with you more, caller. And it only makes common sense. Is that all you have to say? No, I wouldn't mind saying, you know, on the air that I'm selling my old Honda 350. It's got about 12,000 miles on it, so something like that. It's mint condition. I was going to put an ad on Craigslist, but, you know, if I can leave my contact info with you guys, uh, then anyone interested can give you a call. That'd be be pretty cool. Well, yeah, I think our interns could take down your information. Uh, You know, thank you very much for calling into our show. Uh, We're going to put you on hold, okay? Uh, No need to thank him. He should thank us for the free plug. You know, Spud, another warning sign is lack of empathy. Uh, I, I wrote this down. This is a person who does not have the capacity to experience the world of another unless for selfish gain. Courtney, Chloe. I think that must ring true for you. You don't think if you're taking an honest look at yourself, don't you think so? Um, no, I am very empathetic. I do not lack empathy. Like yesterday... I bought like eight boxes of Girl Scout cookies from the neighbor kid. You know, sure, I, I got her to give me, you know, a deal by going with five boxes of, of those lemonades as they weren't selling too well. Nobody likes them. Oh, yes, you've always been quite fond of the Girl Scout cookies. But yeah. I think they taste like doo-doo. 
But you are entitled to your opinion. Yes, but I don't think buying a few boxes of Girl Scout cookies is a true display of empathy. Don't you buy dozens and dozens of boxes each year? Uh, they're all over well, your apartment. Yeah, but I like Samoas the best, and right. you know, and buy fifty or so of them, you know, to last the whole year. And and I pick up maybe I don't know twenty five or so Thin Mints because they are great on ice cream. If you know ice cream, if you crush them up, oh. they're awesome. But I'm just not into those lemonades. And but I bought them too. Because I'm a nice guy, an empathetic nice guy. I don't have nowhere to go and nothing to do. You know what I mean? I just go find my pigeons on the roof. Yeah, that's not a display of empathy. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying do your freaking job and see if our next guest is ready to go. <sighs> Very well. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm being told by the board, Spud, your next guest, Tim Meadows, is ready to speak with you. Okay, and I think you, you know, might know who he is, as he was you know, a longtime cast member of Saturday Night Live. He was great on the show, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, that was back when I used to tape the show on the VCR each week. It was very funny in those days. Often, you know, somewhat crude and off-color, but generally pretty funny. You know, Spud, in that era of Saturday Night Live, they didn't make fun of our president. They are not our friend. I think Bill Clinton was the president most of the time Tim was on Saturday Night Live, and I'm pretty sure they made fun of him, too. Again, we are here in the sanctuary of democracy. But, you know, he wasn't a pawn of the Russian government, so the material was a bit different. Well, humor is subjective, so we'll have to agree to disagree on this topic. Hashtag respect the office of the president. Well, hashtag lock him up. Uh, and now just put Tim through. All right, here he is. Everyone say hello to actor and comedian Tim Meadows. Thanks for coming on our show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, you're going to be appearing at the, the Tacoma Comedy Club May 25th through the 27th. Tickets are available online now. I'm looking forward to being back. All right, super. Well, I know I know you're staying busy besides uh, touring with your stand-up. You, you've been a semi-regular on the ABC series The Goldbergs. The, uh, that must have gone well, right? Mm -hmm. Because are, are you now shooting a spin-off of that show? Yeah, the um, we shot a pilot for it, uh, and it's based around the character that I play on the Goldbergs, this uh, teacher who becomes the principal of the school. And then they sort of set it a little bit in the future, so it takes place in the 90s. Um, so we're just waiting to find out if we get picked up now, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to shoot. Anna got Stiers in it from the time I live. Super. All right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully that wasn't highly confidential information. You were able to share it with a loser like me, so I appreciate that. Um, so let me uh, no, just try to keep it between yourselves. I'm going to work on it, but I have loose lips. i got to say that. But anyway, um, well, Tim, I must, I must ask a requisite SNL question or two. I mean, you were a cast member for 10 years. So that, that's a lot of after-show parties. Can I ask if those are, are open or were open or cash bar affairs? I was just curious about that. Um, usually cash bars. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, they would be at a restaurant, you know, and, and so they they didn't they didn't pay for the meal. They just you just invited to come, but you had to pay for your own food and stuff. Did uh, were there ever any cast members that weren't invited, or is it kind of like you you, you kind of got to invite everybody? No, no. It was your yeah. Everybody got invited. Like right. if you if you didn't have a good show, it wasn't like they told you not to come to the party. Yeah. Everybody right. was invited. Yeah, I wish that was that way around with, with this with this show, you know. I, I always feel left out, but that's another topic. I won't bore you with that. Um, well, let me ask you this. You came to the show after working with Second City in Chicago. Did did you arrive before or after Chris Farley, who was also with Second City in that era? I arrived after Chris Farley. Okay, super. 
but um, I knew him in when I was in Chicago. How many years were were you with Second City? Me? Yes. I was with Second City for about four years. I, I was on the main stage cast for three years, and then um, and I toured for a year touring company. Was uh, Colbert there during your era? Colbert was, yeah. He was there. Um, I think he was like in the touring company when I was on main stage. He yeah. came up right after me. But um, I did a lot of improv with him and um, people that he uh, uh, came up with. Yeah, quite a quite a, a roster of amazing talent that's come through that, uh, obviously, that program. Everybody knows that. Well, let me ask you this. Um, yeah. Uh, was the audition for Lauren Michaels a, a wet your pants experience, or did you just cruise right through it? I asked Mark Marin. I guess his audition didn't go real well, so I guess legendary kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Mark? What happened to his audition? Well, he just he said it didn't go well. Let's just put it. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. It's a long. He, he's he's did shared he wet the story. His pants? He didn't wet his pants, but he just he, uh, he said it didn't go that that great. How, how was yours? I didn't have one. Oh wow. They, uh, they liked me. I guess so. Uh, from the very beginning, yeah. So they just thought I was way more talented. They, they just, they were like, no, that guy, he doesn't have to audition. He's amazing. Well, they so made the I, right no, call. I as a writer. Oh, you, as a, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this about your the character that everyone or everyone's very familiar with, Leon Phelps, the ladies' man. You know, he, he that that, that uh-huh. sketch was a big help to guys around the world. Um, are, are you to this day stopped by guys asking you for some helpful relationship advice? Uh, no, people don't ask me for relationship advice. People will stop me and tell me that they like the character, which I'm you know I'm surprised that it still has like uh, fans like this. It's been 17 years since that movie was out. Right. <clears throat> but people love it. People love the character. But no, that character, I wouldn't give anybody advice <laughs> on love or relationships. All right. Um, I'm I, horrible at it. Yeah, well, I, I picked up a few tips from, this, from, you know, from way back when the sketches were going. I thought, I thought, I thought you were on point most of the time myself. But anyway. Um, yeah. Say, Spud. Yeah. W- would you mind if I clipped my toenails while you're doing this interview? Uh, Tim, can you just give me a second? Um, what are you babbling about? Well, I don't have much to do for the next few minutes, and my toes are bothering me. I had to ask, as I know you're easily disgusted with normal bodily functions and everyday hygiene procedures. You were going to ask me if you can take your socks off and clip your toenails right in the middle of an interview I'm doing. You were mentioning psychological disorders? This is classic passive-aggressive behavior. I read psychology today at my chiropractor's office. No, no, not at all. I have very sensitive toes. And, really? Well, quite often, I'm forced to clip them back. I- I'm prone to ingrown toenails, Spud. Classic passive-aggressiveness. No, no. Uh, I don't let you ask questions with the guest, and this is your payback. You know, fine, go ahead and clip your freaking toenails. Let me get back to Tim. Well, let me let me uh, let me close with this. Is this my signature cliche question? Um, I throw it out to pretty Uh-oh. much everybody. Yeah, here it comes. Um, Tim Meadows, what has been your most memorable moment in show business? Uh, most memorable moment in show business was meeting Paul McCartney. Oh, super! And uh, writing some um, advertisements for SNL for him. 
and watching him read them was probably my most exciting moment in showbiz. Wow. You wrote some copy for Paul McCartney. Wow. That's pretty pretty damn yeah. cool. All right. Well, um... Not I, too shabby. Not too shabby. No, not too shabby. I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, I, I, I've been told you got a lot of stuff to do, so I'm not going to hold you anymore. Um, let me remind everyone that you Yeah, I'm coaching be... my son's basketball team today, so I got to go. Oh, super. Um, God, I wish I had a son. But anyway, let me remind everyone that you will be appearing at the Tacoma Comedy Club May 25th through the 27th. So I, I want to thank you very much for checking in with us. Uh, I will check in with you when I'm in town, too. Awesome. Uh, there you have it. We have that recorded. Okay. Mr. Tim Meadows, thank you so much, Tim. All right. Take care. For a genuine musical treat, tune in to the, the Spud Goodman, Goodman Show. Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. All right. It's musical guest interview time. Uh, please welcome back to the show yet one more time. Swoon Records recording artist, Trees and Timber. If you would loudly and proudly state your name and instrument of choice. Instrument of choice? Okay, I'm Joe and drums. Oh, I think he's trying to mess with everyone. I'm Gwen and I play the electric bass guitar. I'm Paul and I actually play the drums. Okay. Now, breaking news on the Spud Goodman Show. All right. I feel it is now incumbent on me to deal with the elephant in the room, as the public has a right to know the truth. Allegations have been made as to why you have been the musical guest on the Spud Goodman Show so often. How many times has it been to this date? And please remember, you're under oath. I think it's seven. I think. No, it's seven. I don't have that many fingers. It's seven. Wow. Um, Okay. That we've recorded that. That is that has been written down. Let me ask the three of you directly. Are you now or have you ever been related to my family in any fashion? Sure. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Well, I'm liking that. Okay, so um so Joe Baker, you are now saying publicly. Though you're not my son-in-law, I'm guessing that because you did not step up here when I asked no, to put this out. No, this no. is on the record. No, just just a shameless sycophant. Just, okay, choose your words carefully. This is, this is all going down. All right. Okay, so you know I was seriously considering, and I, I mean this, I was seriously considering handing over all responsibilities of this show to you, Joe. You know, should anything occur to me, and uh, I guess may, I may now have to reconsider this. Oh if, no, if, I could never feel if you haven't. If you have, you know, no connections to the Goodman family whatsoever, this 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 throws this this definitely <laughs> complicates matters. All right. Well, what's the name of the next song, and what's it about? Oh, what did we write down as the name of this song? You Are Gone is what we just titled it. Oh, wow. Okay, well, let's do it. I'm blessing that it's on my never again. 
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, everybody. This is Dick Dale, king of the surf guitar, or king of the surf rock guitar, or king of heavy metal, <laughs> as many say. You're listening to the Spud Goodman Show, and what a great guy he is. But you know what's funny? When I was in the Air Force and they were punishing me, they used to make me peel a hundred spuds. <laughs> hey, uh, Spud, your next guest, John Schneider, is holding for you. Now, this is a guest I'm very familiar with. I loved The Dukes of Hazard, one of my favorite all-time TV shows. Uh, okay, good to know. You know, I had my own Dukes of Hazard lunchbox in grade school. It was very cool. And I knew most of my peers who saw me eat my lunch out of it each day were extremely envious. Yeah, it was okay. kind of my ticket to coolness, you know? You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Uh, no, I do not. You know, I actually still have that lunchbox. It's displayed in my den with a few other of my collectors. I've gathered over the years. Haven't I showed them to you when you came over for dinner? Uh, no, I, I would I have did. remembered you still have a lunchbox from grade school. That's kind of creepy, man. People can't figure me out. They can't process me. I don't expect them to. You can't process me with a normal brain. Well, I don't think so. And someday I'll be handing down to my children all of my collectibles. And I'll tell you what, they may just be worth a pretty penny. How much is a pretty penny worth these days? Is that from like the 19th or 20th century? Yeah, it's just an expression, Spud. Uh, just just put him through, okay? Yeah, fine, here he is. Say hello to actor and musician John Schneider. We appreciate you calling into the show, man. Well, thanks for adding musician to that. You know, I appreciate it. Yeah. Because that's really what I feel like I am. All right, super. Well, you have a new oh. movie out. You're going to miss me. And following its premiere, it will be available on DVD in June. You play a dead man, a legendary country music star, Colt, Monta <laughs> Colt Monta uh, Montana. Uh, that must have been a first for you, playing a dead guy. I mean, you've been a country music singer for a few decades, but but you could, and you could draw from that, but, you know. I know, I know, yeah. We want you to be a dead guy. At the beginning of the movie, John, you sing, then you die. Actually... I sing, I have a glass of scotch, and then I keel over dead. Uh, but then I'm still around, and that's how they pitched it. They said, but you don't go away. You're still around. This is a really cool a really cool movie that uh, Kix Brooks put together, and Kix is in it as well. Huh. And what I play is I play a dad who is kind of Johnny Cash, who, uh, who whose big dream is to get his warring children uh, to be friends again. Well, speaking of country music, I understand at one time in your life you lived very briefly with Johnny and June Carter Cash. Were there any late-night jam oh, yeah. sessions? I mean, that must have been memorable. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We had a great time. It wasn't brief. I lived with them for a year and a half or so. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it wasn't like a weekend. So we had, we had a ball. In fact, I won an award. Uh, the CMA gave me, uh, it was called the Horizon Award. So this is a long time ago. And I didn't, I had a bad publicist at the time, didn't know I was nominated. And Johnny Cash and I were playing pool at the house in Hendersonville. And he came to, he came to me from the other room. He said, John, John Schneider, did you know you just won the Horizon Award? <laughs> I said, no, I didn't know that. So one of what should have been the, the, uh, the pinnacle of my country music uh, experience, which actually it was, because I was playing pool with John. Heck yeah. But I was I was not even aware I was nominated for this award. And uh, 
I said, well, I guess if, if I'm not going to be there on stage accepting an award, there's no place I'd rather be than standing here playing pool with you. All right. So we had a, we had a great time. We, we met on a movie that uh, we both did called Stagecoach. But prior to that, John and June and John Carter at that time were big Dukes of Hazard fans. So John had actually, he has a song on the Dukes of Hazard album called The General Lee. So uh, it, it, we, we, we hit it off really, really well. He was aware of my music, which, you know, is a, is a big plus. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. And when I did this, this role of Colt Montana in, uh, in You're Gonna Miss Me, really I was thinking of Johnny Cash. Wow. So, uh, Super. dear friend, miss him every day. Uh, a, a delightful, really terrific statesman of, of uh, not only of country music, but just of being a guy. Johnny Cash was a, was a terrific man. Yeah, from everything I've read, he sure was. We had his daughter, Roseanne, perform on our show. She, she's, ama- she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, well, oh. Let, me, let me ask you this, though. I, I want to hit you with this. You, you became a household name during your run on the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard. And for the millennials now listening who may not be aware, how, t- you know, how tough was it for, for you to go out in public during the height of the show's run? I mean, you were like a country beetle for a while. Did you get did you mobbed at the mall and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I was like a beetle on a dirt road, yeah. It was hard. Back in those days, and millennials will not even understand this notion, there were only three networks. There was CBS, ABC, NBC. And by that, I mean there were only three places on all of television to watch anything. There was no, there weren't even DVRs yet. So when Dukes of Hazard was on, we had an average for our seven years. Our seven-year average viewership was 28 million people a week. Damn. So... When I went anywhere, when any of us went anywhere, it was uh, it was Beatles time and Monkeys time, and then uh, later Michael Jackson experienced that. Uh, I don't think Brad Pitt or George Clooney or I don't think anybody really experiences what a number one television show Tiger Beat star experienced back in the seventies and eighties. Right, it was wild, wild. Yeah, I'd and love, I love, love to ask some qu- <laughs> some uh, some questions, but you know that's probably not appropriate for uh, yeah for radio. But no, anyway, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, it, it let- was great. But we live in a we live in a wonderful time now. I mean, I didn't have uh, there was no such thing as a website. I couldn't I couldn't tell folks to to go get my new album at johnschneiderofficial dot com. I had to tell them to go get it at Turtles, yeah, know, or, or or Tower somewhere else, yeah. Kmart, Walmart was just starting really at that point. So, all right. Well, let me hit with this yeah. trivia bit on the Dukes of Hazard. I'm sure you've been asked this a bunch, but did your time playing Bo Duke influence your feelings on governmental overreach and trying to control the sale of moonshine? I mean, a case could be made that that was you know, no, there was medical moonshine. People ask me that all the time. Yeah, and uh, yes, it did influence. I, I find uh, I find I find it unfair that the only people that wound up surviving uh, the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms and all of all of what was going on back then, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam were both moonshiners, but they made a deal. They managed to figure out a way throughout, through Prohibition, to survive. But the family recipe didn't. I think Uncle Jesse's finest would, be, uh, would outsell Jack Daniels 10 to 1. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of medical moonshine, right? <laughs> 
Well, it, it is medicinal. I don't know that I'd call it medical. All right. Well, there you go. That's probably more accurate. I don't know. I don't know. You know, in some states, maybe they would call it that. All right. Well, but, <laughs> I, I would like to interject here, Spud. Uh, just give me a moment here, John. Uh, you know, I highly doubt there is any medical or medicinal value in the consumption of alcoholic beverages. Moonshine or uh, whiskey is an intoxicant, something that should not be made light of. Dude, mellow out. An occasional sip of, you know, well-aged whiskey has been of use in certain medical situations, okay? Haven't you seen a movie where they didn't have a, a local anesthetic and they were forced to go with a few shots of hard liquor to dull the pain before, you know, they take out a bullet? It's kind of like WD-40 or duct tape. There are so many uses for it. Well, I nor my wife would ever consider drinking that stuff. Regardless of our medical predicament, that would be wrong. Well, I hope you don't get lost somewhere in the wild sometime and have to, you know, have a leg or arm cut off. A nice bottle of Jack Daniels would come in handy if there, you know, isn't any moonshine available. Ask your wife if she would want to have a baby without some kind of painkiller. I know I sure wouldn't. Well, I know what my wife would say to that, and she hey, would man, tell I you... Hey, man, I don't have time to debate prohibition right now. I have Fine. to get back to our guest. To be continued, okay? All right, John, I'm back. Sorry about that. No, no. Okay, here. Okay, let me wrap this thing up. Um, you <laughs> later, funny. Yeah, well, I, tr I try to be. Um, later, you, you became a regular on Smallville, playing the adoptive father of Clark Kent for five seasons. I mean, you didn't get to drive around a really fast stock car, but it must have been kind of cool being Superman's dad. How was that? That was great. In fact, uh, I'm the only person, the, the very last episode we did in the 10th season of Smallville, uh, I'm the guy that handed Clark Kent the suit that enabled him to be Superman. Wow. And I think that's, I think that's terrific. Um, we actually did do one episode where they had Jonathan Kent listening to the radio and the theme from Dukes of Hazard was on the radio. And then later we did one that they brought Tom Wopat in and he played Jonathan Kent's longtime friend, a senator. Uh, and that senator drove a blue 1969 Dodge Charger and the door was broken so he had to climb in the window. So we did get a little, we did get a little feel of the Dukes of Hazard on Smallville occasionally, wow. uh, but by and large, it was it was just a great show about the, the boy that grew up to be Superman. Yeah, I mean, and very now I cool played show. I played Jim Pryor on the Haves and Half Nots, which is a Tyler Perry show on the Open Entry Network, and I play a guy that makes J.R. Ewing look like a choir boy. I mean, I'm a nasty man. Oh, so check that it's out. Been a, it's been a wonderful career. It's been a it's been a great time. And uh, I get to do fantastic things like music and movies. And this one, You're Going to Miss Me, is, is fantastic. You want to sit and watch it with the whole family. It's available uh, June 6th. You can get it at Walmart. Or you can get it on my website. Get an autographed copy. That's uh, johnschneiderofficial.com. And it's like that. We live in a great world, my friend. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing the closing, because that's what I was going to say, but you said it so much better. Of course, you're a pro, so. All right, well, there you have it. I know your people for sure are saying you got you to go, so I just want to thank you so much for coming on our show. It's a pleasure, and thanks for helping me promote this movie. It's really, really good. Absolutely, Mr. John Schneider. My, how time flies. You know, I, I kind of think that this topic you brought up was a big waste of airtime. Besides hey, being uh, so, you know... Spud, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm being told we have one more call, and I think we need to take it because he's been waiting for a bit. 
So? Oh, oh, wait a sec, I get this. This is a test of my empathy, right? Uh, well, by all means, put the caller right through. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. I happen to be a licensed psychologist and wanted to say narcissistic personality disorder happens to be quite prevalent in today's society. Oh, really? In fact, our president is a poster boy for this. And as an occasional listener to this program, I feel there are numerous similarities between the two of you. Get him out of here! Right away! But when was the last time you apologized to someone, actually said you were sorry and were in the wrong? I can't remember right now, but I'm not in the wrong much, to be honest. Well, what is the question? Spud, dear, you've had a difficult time showing remorse ever since you were little. Uh. Remember when you broke my special glass space needle souvenir from the 1962 World's Fair? Not so much as an I'm sorry from you. I was heartbroken, but I managed to keep my composure. I mean, you were only 11 years old. But still, it would have been nice to hear some sort well, of an apology. if I remember right, and that was a long time ago, I think, you know, Sophia, my sister, was the one who dropped it. She had really, really poor hand-eye coordination in her teenage oh, years. Nonsense. Sophia had excellent hand-eye coordination and, of course, wasn't even in the, in the house when you destroyed D it. Destroyed? That's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, didn't a little Elmer's glue fix it afterwards? Well, it has never looked the same since. That would seem to support my observations, Spud. It's not too late to apologize for this mishap. Uh, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, he's correct, Spud. It's never too late in life to learn how to be remorseful. Uh, caller, I can honestly say I cannot remember Spud ever apologizing to me. Well, what is this? Pick, a, pick apart Spud Day? Caller, why don't you focus on your real patients if you have any? I, I have my own therapist, and he doesn't feel I'm a narcissist. Uh, there are other things we're working on, but not that. Well, I would suggest your therapist needs to take another look at your case. Maybe retest you. Uh, One other behavior trait you seem to exhibit quite often, at least when I listen to the show, is your tendency to tell mistruths. Oh, yes. Lying has been a big issue for him going way, way back. Oh, goodness, yes. You, you know, Spud, you say Trump constantly lies, but everyone here in the studio has to deal with your numerous tall tales. Like when you said you could have been an NBA basketball player if your high school coach wouldn't have cut you. NBA? Really? I believe the accurate quote was, I could have been in the NBA yeah. if that douchebag coach hadn't killed my dreams. <laughs> well, maybe that would explain why you tend to kill the dreams of others so easily. That is a very insightful observation, Jerry. Uh, it's Gerald. Spud, you really weren't that good as a basketball player. Your sister was the real player in the family, and she played a full season of community college ball. I know, but... Yeah, uh, but you need to come to grips with the fact that your high school basketball coach made the right decision. You do kind of suck. Yes! I mean, you have no left hand. Well, I'm still working on that at the Y. I'm a lot better now than, you know, than I was you know, as a teenager. Um, maybe, anyway, maybe. caller or Mr. Therapist, thanks for calling in, but I have to close the show now. And your theory that I share similar traits with Donald Trump is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And if, you know, if that was true, I would you know, have one of our interns put me to sleep right now. You should really apologize for that remark. As I tell my clients, Often the truth can temporarily knock you to your knees, but then you get up, make the necessary changes, that will make you a healthy, well-rounded individual. No time here. like the present, Spud, to make those changes. Best of luck to you. Yeah, Bye. whatever. You know, I got to tell you, 
I feel totally vindicated after that conversation. Uh-huh. Um, all I heard was fake news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because one guy says I have this narcissistic personality disorder thingy doesn't make it true. I'm going to be asking my own therapist to issue a letter declaring that it's total bunk and that I am the most mentally stable talk show host in America. And I'm going to read it on the air. It's going to be a thing of beauty. And my regular listeners know this. They love me. I could do just about anything and they would stick with me. You know, okay, maybe not anything, but almost anything. You know, I'd lose a few listeners, you know, if I if I suddenly started acting like, you know, like an average, well-adjusted, you know, adult, you know, I don't know. I mean, who, who would listen to that on the radio? But anyway, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, here are trees and timber. Spud Goodman Productions.